0: As agricultural technology and processes advance, allowing for new sources of protein, it seems that society's appetite for plant-based food is on the rise. In fact, according to data released by the Good Food Institute and the Plant-Based Foods Association, plant-based food retail sales were worth $7 billion in 2020, showing a 27% growth rate overall for products that specifically replace animal-derived options. To explore this societal change to our diets, and the potential impact it might have on our psychology, we spoke with Dr. Uman Naidu, faculty member at Harvard Medical School, an author, a professional chef, culinary instructor and nutrition specialist. We discussed the philosophy around food and how our diets reflect different beliefs and why it is important to respect others' beliefs and dietary choices. She also highlights some impressive companies working in this space, such as the Very Good Butchers, who refer to themselves as bean butchers, alongside other companies innovating new methods to produce protein sources from plant-based meats, such as seaweed and algae via cellular agriculture. Dr. Naidu also explains the need for more research around the potential psychological benefits that plant-based meats can offer. If you like this episode then please consider leaving us a review on iTunes, you can follow the link in the description of this episode to do so, and here are some other episodes you might enjoy if you thought this was interesting. Analyzing blackout drinking culture during quarantine using tweets, the past and present of CBD with Doctor of Chinese Medicine Cannabis Formulator, and the transformative power of psilocybin. But now, on with today's show. My name is Sam Breitgear, you're listening to Brain Spike Back, your podcast exploring the intersection between psychology and technology.
1: Thanks so much for inviting me. Um, I'm a a nutritional psychiatrist. I uh, work in this field, which is newer. It's the use of healthy whole foods and nutrients to improve your mental well-being, and it's based on the current scientific evidence. Um, That is how my book came about, but in terms of my background, in psychiatry. I grew up in a large South Asian family. Um, I skipped out of preschool, went to spend the time with my maternal grandmother, who, to whom my book is dedicated, and sort of naturally from her learned a lot of good eating habits. She would pick fresh vegetables from the garden. Um, I'd watch her prepare things made from scratch uh, simple meals that were very delicious and we'd eat as a family so um, I learned many of these things from my grandparents and they taught me yoga and meditation because during the daytime my mom's actually a medical student so I would spend the time with them and um, the family also had a lot of allopathic uh, physicians and if few Ayurvedic practitioners. So there was this mind-body element discussion of spices, herbs, and, and all good things that were nutritional. So I feel, as I think back, that much of that just came with me into the world when I started studying psychiatry. And I felt very early on that there were not enough tools in the toolbox for individuals suffering with mental health. And I began to just ask more questions, which led me to want to study nutrition, to want to go to culinary school, um, to really think about food in a deeper way. And I had the opportunity to start uh, the first clinic in the United States at the hospital where I work in nutritional psychiatry based on my different interests. I'm also a big Julia Child fan and she was my food hero because as a young woman, um, uh, learning to cook was a big thing because having grown up in that large family, everyone else cooked, all the aunts, the grandmothers, the moms, the older cousins cooked. So um, I always hung around food and helped but I never really cooked. So, Julia Child uh, was someone I followed on public television, being a pretty uh, poor student and not being able to afford cable television. And I really learned a lot of confidence from her when I. Understood that Julia Child went to culinary school later in life, and that it was a second career. I sort of thought, well, why not me? And uh, that's how so that's how I came to train to be a chef. But all of these things came together for me in a in a very powerful and meaningful way, uh, in terms of the work that I do uh, in nutritional psychiatry, which is at the nexus of the culinary arts, um, good nutrition principles, and mental health.
0: Fantastic, that's a wonderful backstory, and uh, I'm really <laughs> happy you. to have you on here today because uh, we we spoke about this a little bit before the call. But this is something that I'm super passionate about because today we are going to be discussing the growing presence of plant based meats in our society. And when I say plant based meats, I should specify that I'm referring to brands like Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger, just to name a few. Um, but before we get into the nitty-gritty science of this topic, I would love to hear your personal opinion on these foods, and if you eat them, or you if you've tried them before.
1: Um, I've definitely tried them, and my personal philosophy actually goes to my philosophy on food, as I kind of touched on when we were chatting. I um, really was was raised to be, um, you know, kind of a respectful human being. Uh, I, I hope I remain that way. And if someone is eating a piece of fish, uh, A steak. Uh, If someone is eating only plant-based foods and maybe vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian, I respect that. Um, I happen to have been raised vegetarian. I I I I was born into a vegetarian family, and that is all that I knew. But that evolved in terms of what I cooked when I grew. uh, When I got married, and I met more people, and my life who ate more, you know, all types of food. And when I went to comedy school, I actually was wanting to take on the heat from my from my chef instructors who initially yelled at me thinking I didn't know how to flavor food that I wasn't able to taste. Um, But it has been a journey for me. All of that being said, um, I think that there's a place for uh, uh, plant plant-based uh, uh, foods in terms of ones that are manufactured I think it's the ingredients in each there are many newer brands that have uh, are really making an effort to make them uh, healthy with with less reliance on um, you know maybe unhealthy the nutrients and foods, so I think that it's it's fair to say that people should should eat them, but in moderation. As with everything that I speak about in nutritional psychiatry, uh, even even a healthy berry, like my favorite uh, blueberries. I'm not asking people to eat two cups a day. You know, their portion control becomes important because of the, the uh, sugar load and the glycemic load that, can have a, that it can have on your body, uh, even with nuts, healthy nuts that are natural and rich in omega-3 fatty acids. Um, I'm not going to say eat a cup a day. So, so again, it goes back to that principle of moderation uh, and what the uh, actual type of food you're consuming contains.
0: I think, uh, of course, moderation is always is always key and very important to consider now it kind of i suppose it might be an answer already to my next question and these following questions might sound very open-ended but i wanted to hear your thoughts as a professional without setting solid parameters um so with regards to plant-based meat how do you foresee them impacting our diets and physical well-being if for example they were to completely replace meat in society
1: so firstly, I am not seeing, uh, I'm definitely seeing a bright future for these types of plant-based meats, um, but I'm not seeing them replacing traditional meats uh, in, in the way that the world exists right now. That being said, I'm, I'm a humble person. I, I can always be wrong. But I think that uh, individuals that I speak to often will talk about a philosophy around food. Uh, much like you or I have the philosophy around food, and sometimes they are eating plant-based meats because they care about planetary health. They care about, um, you know, uh, uh, they care about animals. They care about um, animal farming. They don't want to be involved in that, uh, in food that is produced that way. And to that, I would say, I I have absolute respect for people who want to do that. But if one of my friends, again, is, uh, is carnival or eats of a very meat based diet, um, I think that they have a right to do that too, because there are instances where people can Meat from regenerative farming sources these days. You know, it doesn't mean if you eat meat that you're you're eating uh, factory farmed meat. I also, as I pointed out, don't like to demonize food. As a chef, you're taught to respect food and ingredients, and I have a healthy respect for food and ingredients, and I think that there are lots of people in the world who are going hungry. So not demonizing it, My perspective is it's not going to take over the world, but I think it's going to have a very robust part of people's future. They may choose to eat the plant-based meats or not. Um, And I think that people choose sometimes to make the choice based on their own philosophy and their feeling about the world. Um, I also want to point to a very interesting blog that was written um, at Harvard Health publications that compared different types of plant-based burgers, such as bean burgers, to some of the uh, plant-based meat burgers, um, and to a turkey burger, and a beef burger, and found that it's not necessarily that the plant-based meats are nutritionally superior. Um, It is, in fact, not the case. So ultimately, in the end, it comes down to the choices that you want to make, and uh, the nutrients that that you want to, uh, where you want to get your nutrients from. I also want to point out that there's some, uh, really cool companies uh, in the world that are trying to do interesting and good things. I have no association with them, um, but there's a company called the Every Company that is leveraging the most advanced fermentation technology to go beyond the current paradigm of plant-based versus animal-based, and they are making animal-free protein that is changing, you know, the face of how people are consuming eggs. Um, there's another company, uh, interesting name called, uh, i trying to remember, I think it's called the Very Good Butchers. Um, the, I'm sorry, The Good Butcher. I think they, they believe they're out of Canada. I actually tried some of the foods recently because they actually call themselves bean butchers. So they butcher beans instead of animals and it's they have a cool website. They, um, they uh, use jackfruit. Uh, as a substitute, they use uh, lentils and beans, which are great source of pr- uh, plant-based protein for for wh- whether you eat whether you eat meat or not, it's a great source of plant protein. And then there's another trend uh, exploring novel protein sources such as seaweed, algae, and proteins, uh, you know, via cellular agriculture. So so there's a lot there are a lot of cool things going on in this space, and I think I think being aware of uh, uh, them should be important to us.
0: Hopefully you're enjoying the show. And if you are, make sure you subscribe and never miss an episode. You can find us on all your usual podcast sites, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Podcast Addict, and a whole lot more, including YouTube. And we want to hear what you think, so be sure to leave us a review. Just search Brains Bite back wherever you get your podcasts. I'm glad that we've... uh we've kind of found ourselves to be on the same page in that sense when it comes to this. And I think that's really important to clarify because like we spoke about before the call, food can sometimes be as important to people and diets that they subscribe to as like a religion. I think I should clarify as well that I uh, myself um, would call myself a pescatarian I, I, or an aspiring vegetarian, really. Um, and I don't have any issue with people eating meat personally, I subscribe to the idea of, um, being vegetarian or like to be for the sake of, um, I don't like the farming process that our society goes through, but if I was to live on a farm and I was to raise all my own cattle or whatnot, and know that they had a good life, I would have no issue in eating them. And I still have to say, even though I am pescatarian and aspiring to be vegetarian, chicken wings and barbecue, especially like a U.S. barbecue, pulled pork, all of that is still my favorite food, which is such a pity. Um, but yeah, I, I also have to say, like, a, I wanted to ask if there was a psychological difference, you think, or, or a difference in mental well-being between those that might be on a meat-based diet versus a plant-based diet. Because my next question was going to ask, essentially, if you think that you would see a difference in psychological uh, well-being and mental health if people were to swap over to plant-based uh, meat rather than, uh, I suppose, conventional meat.
1: Sure. So I, don't, I don't think we know yet, right? Because we haven't done studies in that area. But uh, specifically, however, we do know that a plant-rich diet, meaning uh, leaning on plant-based proteins like vegetables, um, uh, uh, lentils, legumes, uh, you know, uh, beans, nuts and seeds, can actually be very beneficial to mental health, and several studies have actually shown this. So I'm not sure that I can answer whether plant-based meats will have the same effect. I think that will remain to be seen. Um, I think that uh, if people are, you know, as I mentioned, eating these in moderation if they consume them, um, but also leaning into uh, you know vegetarian diet. Um, some people may choose to be vegan but um, I'm personally vegetarian and comfortable with the choices that I make around the sourcing of, of the ingredients I eat. Um, the, I, I think that that balances out you know the possible the possible effects and concerns people have about the actual ingredients in some of the very traditional plant-based meats. like I said, I mentioned a few. Um, what I consider newer brands, perhaps they're newer to me, that may not be as mainstream as Impossible, which is sold at Burger King in the United States, um, all things like that, but they are really trying to make an effort uh, to, to make these plant-based uh, meats from healthy sources and not just leaning on, um, you know, uh, 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 the, 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 what traditional plant-based meats have relied on. So I I would just, I I think that remains to be seen.
0: You mentioned Burger King there, I have to say, I love the prevalence of these plant-based meats uh, in society now, but I I also have to say that I am very jealous because uh, being based in Colombia, they haven't really reached here yet. Uh, At least they have in certain supermarkets, but they're incredibly expensive. And my girlfriend and I occasionally uh, watch like some sports like uh, UFC in particular and they have adverts from the US and <laughs> uh, there's one advert that was repeated I remember like during every ad break in between the the match or the fights uh, where they said uh, like you can get an impossible burger or like two right. impossible what burgers for a dollar or something like that and we were just so Furious, like there's nothing like that here. I mean, we do have a veggie whopper from Burger King, which actually I think was it the vegetarian butcher you referred to earlier. Was that the one?
1: Um, they called the good
0: butcher. Ah, the good butcher, and,
1: and they're using jackfruit and beans. Uh, they actually, I, it's, I thought it was very funny, they call themselves bean butchers, but um, so, you know, I'm, I'm actually really excited to see what they're going to do, and, and I tasted uh, their food, I looked at the ingredients, and I actually liked them, so, you know, I say that understanding, for those listening, that I grew up as a baby entertain. So um, I think that, you know, it would be very hard for me to demonize someone who's going to eat an impossible burger. All I'm saying is don't make that the only thing you eat, Yeah. but lean into vegetables, lean into, you know, the correct servings of fruit, um, beans, nuts, seeds, lentils, legumes, and healthy whole grains if you eat them. Um, so, you know, and the other thing I would say is that um, the one remark I would make um, is, you know, I think that when, when foods, whether it be an impossible burger are uh, go go a part of a fast food outlet. One of the things to be careful about is that um, fast food outlets, I don't personally know the exact oil that Burger King uses. So I'm not necessarily calling them out. I don't do that type of stuff, but I do know that a lot of larger restaurants, larger um, fast food outlets use processed vegetable oils because they're less expensive. So, you know, I, I know that you missed the Burger King uh, uh Uh, uh, out there in Colombia. But, you know, what you could do is try to get the actual burger and make it at home because then you have control over the ingredients you use and how it's prepared because processed vegetable oils are pro-inflammatory for the gut and actually do impact mental health.
0: Yeah, my girlfriend and I definitely try and make it a treat. Whenever we do go to a supermarket and get those, unfortunately, it's still very expensive. But we're hoping that at least it's here. At least we have the option and it'll come down in price. Okay, so in similar sight to the last question, or at least what we spoke about before, I'd really like to understand if like, if it's fair to say that meat, there are meat lovers out there that would be horrified, like you said, uh, previously before you spoke, like they call it like Frankenstein food and the idea of eating plant-based meats over traditional meats would just seem horrific. Um, even if there is no distinguishable difference in taste. uh, Is it fair to literally say that That's more of a case of identity, like being a meat eater is part of that individual's identity? And I know we're not saying, or we don't necessarily want to say that there's any issue with eating meat or any issue with them having that identity. But what do you think, like hypothetically, uh, what do you think would make someone be more open to trying plant-based meats or say, for example, if we did face a situation and heaven forbid where um, we just cannot sustain the farming that we use for, for producing meat, and people do need to make us uh, a swift uh, change towards eating more like uh, sustainable foods, potentially like plant-based meats. How could people be encouraged to, to make this transition if they really do see themselves as a meat eater that's against plant-based meats from a psychological perspective.
1: That's a tough one, you know, because I think that if someone identifies as being a meat eater, um, I don't consider it my role to to kind of even psychiatrically or using psychology, say, well, you know, let me encourage you to eat this. You know, there are other options of someone, if there is, there are no uh, say for example, all of a sudden overnight, the meat industry ended, and people had to eat um, eat, eat f- foods that are vegetarian. There are other choices, and I would much rather encourage them to learn to eat vegetables more or uh, lean into those those other sources than just rely on plant based meats. If because here's the thing, you know, uh, people who eat meat, I've had varied responses in patients that I. St- And people that I know saying, well, you know, if if you don't want to eat meat, why why are they um, using vegetable sauces to color the meat, like the creation of uh, a burger oozing blood when you uh, are using when you are cooking it on a grill? And you know, I think that's a valid point. So I think I, I really go back to if it works for you, if it's something you want to eat occasionally. Um, making sure that you have a healthy, balanced diet in other ways. In your instance, you 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 also getting you know omega threes from fish that you're eating. Um, if it's me, you know, I uh, I find other uh, other sources of plant based protein that I lean on. Um, I don't necessarily just eat plant based uh, 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 you know meats. I eat them once in a while. Um, but I don't rely on them, so I think that it's a little bit of a tough question because someone who eats meat is going to almost feel offended or almost feel like they're not going to enjoy the food if they're used to, you know, sinking their teeth into chicken wings or um, ribs, you know, or they're used to barbecue. Um, I remember uh, uh, when I went to visit a part of the United States to take a board exam. I happened to go to a part of the country that was meat heavy and I could not find even the vegetarian side dishes other than potatoes um, or an ear of corn that was steamed. Um, I couldn't find that the food at many of the restaurants were devoid of either some type of animal fat that was being used or bacon or um, uh, that that was pure, that was vegetarian. So I think that one of the things we need to understand is that United States, certainly this is where I live, is a large country, there are many people and their choices need to be respected. But can we all improve how we are eating as a nation? Absolutely, COVID taught us that. COVID taught us how important metabolic health is. Alzheimer's is now being called type three diabetes because guess what the risk factors for cardiac disease, and uh, type two diabetes are the same as for Alzheimer's. So how we eat is extremely important. So whether I'm vegetarian or a meat eater, eating healthier options and making better choices is where I think we can make we can make effective change. Um, I'm sorry if I'm not answering your question, but I just, I, you know, I, I'm not sure that I think things are going to disappear overnight. Yeah. And if they are, I'll, I'll, I'll be proven wrong. I, I respect that.
0: No, it's a it's a difficult question to answer. And it's also hypothetical. So it's sure there's many, many other aspects to it, which maybe need to be answered first. But one thing on this topic that does interest me uh, is the idea of crickets. I've heard that insects are potentially a more sustainable um, source of meat in the future. <laughs> I've never tried that before. And I'm I call myself pescatarian, obviously, and I am pescatarian. But uh, I think if I was offered a cricket burger, I would give it a try. I think I'm quite adventurous in that sense. That could be an alternative because for me, like it's not the issue of eating animals. I don't really have an issue with eating animals. It's more Mm -hmm. understanding what is sustainable and eating a diet that is sustainable for the planet. And also knowing that no animals were really harmed in the process. Ideally. Um, Mm -hmm. and that those are my main concerns so if I knew that Mm
1: -hmm.
0: eating crickets is sustainable for the planet and they're not being harmed in the process then you know what I'd be more than happy to chow down on a cricket burger
1: I think absolutely so I think that just like there are these companies that are using beans to uh, make uh, make plant-based burgers or there are um, uh, there are companies that are using that fermentation process i mentioned earlier to create what would be equivalent of a protein source of egg um, and I, I think i mentioned uh, i think they call the every company um, just just like that um, you know i think there are individuals on the, on the um, uh, whether it's crickets or regenerative farming, there are individuals who are trying to do better by finding different sources of protein. And you know what, if, if, this, if, if this is a good source of protein and people like it, why not? Um, I, again, it goes down to choice. I think that if you ate the burger, I'd be, I'd be curious to know, I don't think it exists as a burger, but if you ate the food product and you liked it, I'd be very really curious to, to hear that, um, and again, it's, it's a source of protein and and maybe those people are wondering like you're wondering what if someday I mean a few years ago we wouldn't have thought that the world would, have, would shut down uh, 20 months ago, so I think. Uh, it, it's fair to say that we don't know necessarily what the future holds. And I think it's great that that companies and smart smart people are looking at other ways to create protein, to create a different kind of egg, to make a different form of plant-based meat that is really heavy on lentils versus uh, versus other things. I think it's cool.
0: Oh, I'm very excited for this. I think it's uh, yeah, definitely an interesting space to watch. And I look forward to trying, uh, yeah, all the products that come out as a result of this. Um, Now, Dr. Naidu, I, I well, we've come to the end of uh, the show, really. And on that note, I would love to know if people want to keep up with the work you're doing or check out the work you've done in the past. uh, How can they do that?
1: Absolutely. So you know they can sign up for my newsletter and follow me on my website Um, I am also releasing the first course in Nutritional psychiatry at the end of November, um, and many people want to learn and understand more about this. Uh, so I hope they'll check that out. Um, I also am on, very active on social media where I share educational information, recent research, and I'm at, at my panel is at d-r-u-m-a-n-a-i-d-o-o and uh, please check out my book which is this is your brain on food and uh, it's been translated into at least uh, 20 languages um, but it is being rolled out in different countries over different time frames so uh, hopefully it is it is close to where you are
0: excellent thank you so much
1: thank you thanks for having me
0: growing a company has many hurdles From securing funding to expanding your business capabilities to ranking better on search, each business challenge is uniquely complex. The solution to these challenges is growth-focused digital PR and marketing, and that's where our sponsor, Publicize, comes in. Publicize sets itself apart from traditional PR companies. It does not charge large retainers or churns out press releases whether you've got a newsworthy announcement or not. Publicize builds on your business's online presence and gets high quality PR and media coverage for startups and entrepreneurs who are priced out of a broken PR industry. And for a limited time only, exclusive to Bite Back listeners, you can receive a social media assessment as part of your package for any tier of service at no extra charge with this special promotion. To find out more, visit publicize.co slash BBB. That's publicize.co slash BBB. This is the end of today's show. Thank you so much for listening. If you like this and you want to hear more episodes just like it, then follow and subscribe to Brains Bite Back wherever you get your podcasts. We're also available on YouTube under the channel of our publication, The Sociable. Just search Brains Bite Back and you'll find all of our episodes there. We really love hearing what you have to say. So leave us a review on iTunes or on any other podcasting platform to let us know what you think. You can also reach out on Twitter at at TheSociable. And finally, go to sociable.co where you can find all our episodes and plenty of articles on topics just like this. Thanks again for joining us. And until next time, stay safe and stay healthy.